0: it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm here with Joe Volby, fantasy. Football. analyst. What's up player dude congratulations on 50,000 Oh, thank you. followers on Instagram. Dude, I see how hard you work on on the account and and all of that and I'm just I'm glad that you were able to surpass this very I I you know, it's it's a huge threshold, man, because there's not that many accounts that, you know, have reached that threshold and you're in one of those phases of, of it where like you're still growing. Like it's not like you know, you're you're stagnant, like you're still growing, and Dang. like I feel like you're gonna probably hit sixty soon and you're gonna keep going. But like a lot of people like mess with your content, man. So so congratulations. I just want to clap. No oh, sweet, no oh, sweet. Thank you. Thank you. No, no problem, sweet. man. Now we can no get problem, back to man. bashing me for liking Cam <laughs> That was the good news. No? <laughs> 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 All right. All right. So guys, uh, so the last week of preseason has finished. So we have a bye week where we are going to be, you know, kind of bored because there's going to be no football, which sucks because, like, you know, we got, like, a nice dose of football over the last couple of weeks, and so now we have to wait. We have to wait about eight days, now, seven, nine days now. Today's – we're recording this on Tuesday. The podcast is going to come out on Wednesday. But, you know, we got to wait, you know, by the time the podcast comes out, out about a week. So, you know, whatever. It's fine. But it sucks because we, we have to go a whole weekend without, without football. So, uh, that being said – Not a ton of teams played their starters this week. There were a handful of teams that, like, played their starters way too much, uh, you know, for, for the last week of preseason. And we've seen, like, obviously a bunch of guys, you know, get hurt and a couple of guys, unfortunately, getting, you know, season end injuries. Um, and we're going to hit that right now. We're going to get into the news, a couple pieces of news first, before we get, uh, into some, you know, news and notes from the preseason games, uh, to kind of wrap up preseason and to get our like final ideas on, on how these, you know, players might be valued, you know, from a fantasy football perspective going into the season. Um, the first thing, you know, from today, Cam Newton was released by the Patriots, um, you know. He obviously had a little bit of an issue with the COVID protocols. Um, It does not seem like he was vaccinated, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And it got to the point where he had to, like, I guess, leave, you know, the vicinity of wherever the Patriots practice and go somewhere or whatever. And, like, he didn't get tested when he needed to, and he needed to stay away for a few days. And that kind of opened the door for Mac Jones, uh, the infamous uh, low five from Bill Belichick to, to uh, Mac Jones. And it seems like that right there was a sign that he was going to get the job. And, and that's what happened. Um, he, you know, it was a competition this summer and Mac Jones won that competition. And now Cam Newton is likely, go, you know, he's a free agent. Now he's going to, uh, probably land on another team, uh, but at the same time, uh, I would assume that he might have to get vaccinated first because I'm not sure uh, I'm not trying to make this into like a, a vaccinated anti to podcast, but like I'm assuming I'm not sure that a lot of teams want to uh, have that, you know, kind of have that uh, worry right with a starting quarterback uh, is, you know, is, is a threat to miss games at any point, you know, for whatever reason. Right, And it's not just because if you get COVID, but there's a lot of other ways you can miss games um, if you're not vaccinated, unfortunately. So now moving on to the Patriots, Matt Jones is the guy. He's the week one starter. Um, for me, this really boosts up Damian Harris, man. Like it really does. Like Cam Newton, he was going to run the ball, you know, he, not as many pass attempts. Um, he was going to steal some goal line carries away. From Damien Harris. Now, it looks like Damien Harris is going to get all of the goal line carries whenever they get there. Um, He's the clear winner uh, to me. Um, there are a couple of more winners, but I want to get your take. Like, what, what's your first thought uh, when you know you heard the news, and uh, how are you looking at this Patriots team moving forward?
2: Yeah. So first of all, as someone who was, uh, how do I say, a fan of uh cam newton this year and i, I made a couple of videos and we've talked a lot here about the strategy of taking a guy like cam newton and topping him off with a guy like uh, justin fields or trey lance or something like that and kind of having that qb1 to start the year and a qb1 to end the year obviously not the case with him being flat out released i don't think any of us really expected him to be just completely released like that but yeah I mean this whole offense changes as a a Patriots fan I'm not a huge fan on Mac Jones but Bill Belichick knows more than I do so (laughs) I'm I'm gonna take his word for this uh running back wise James White huge value huge value if you were able able to get him anywhere in drafts I mean it was just two years ago where James White was like a top 20 running back last year with Cam Newton he kind of fell off because guess what they didn't really pass the ball at all but Mac Jones is not running for first downs uh, he he has that in common with Brady. I'll say that, but um, yeah. So running back wise, James White looking a lot better in PPR. Damien Harris, he's the guy there. I mean, he might be worth a a fringe fifth, sixth round pick at this point. Um, he's going to get a ton of goal line work. He's going to get a ton of early down work. I really don't see Ramondre Stevenson as a threat, which we can talk later on if we want. But uh, not a huge fan of Ramondre. Jacoby Myers. His stock has been skyrocketing ever since Faraz discovered that I discovered him. (laughs) 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 He's been skyrocketing and this really, really does help his value. So, uh, Jacoby Myers is also looking great right now. And, uh yeah, man. I, I mean, the, the tight ends, Hunter Henry, John Smith. I'm not interested in Nelson Aguilar, but all these pass catchers get a boost, essentially. Basically, everybody gets a boost. Is that a good thing? When everybody yeah, it, gets a boost? when
1: <laughs> Everyone there. gets a boost. You get a boost, you get a boost, everyone gets a boost. Yeah. But I, I agree, man. Like, you know, listen, uh, I love Cam too, but he wasn't the most accurate quarterback in the league, right? And, and I think Mac Jones, Mac Jones was one of the most – accurate quarterbacks uh, in college football so that if he can bring any of that to the nfl it seems like guys like jacoby myers who could separate pretty well like this he's gonna he's gonna be targeted more because there's gonna be less rush attempts by the quarterback and number two those targets might be more accurate right that's kind of what you're looking for now i i am not you know interested in nelson aguilar from a fantasy perspective as of right now i'm not drafting him But we've seen instances in the past where, like, you know, a guy like Curtis Samuel would be running deep and Cam Newton can't hit him, right? But he's open, right? And Nelson Aguilar could have had similar issues this year. And I think Mac Jones would have a better time, you know, hitting Nelson Aguilar deep in stride than Cam Newton. It's just, it is what it is, right? Um, But I I agree. Jacoby Myers is somebody who, who gets a bump. Should have been drafted anyway, um, but but yeah. So you know, if you're if you're late in drafts and you want some running by depth, I agree. I think James White in a, in a full PPR league is the way to go. I wouldn't draft him in any other format, uh, even in half PPR. Uh, but yeah, no, I think James James White uh, get, gets a bump because Cam Newton there, there there might have been times where instead of dumping the ball down to James White, he's going to run the ball. Number one, number two, like you said uh there were more but there, there was going to be more rushing attempts overall with Cam Newton there. There was Patriots were one of the most run heavy teams. Um they, they should still be run heavy going into the season but with their running backs rather than uh with their quarterback. So, um very interesting moving forward. We'll see how Matt Jones progresses. Uh but you know, if you're if you're a Patriots fan, you know, like I would be excited just to kind of see what you got, you know, in in the rookie And the fact that Bill Belichick is starting a rookie uh, is, is, is super interesting to me as well. So uh, it, that just probably, it just seems to me like he has some, he has some faith in him, you know? So that's, it's going to be interesting going into the season. Um, Now, Ramondre Stevenson. So by the way, like, since we're talking about the subject, let's just, I want to hit this Patriots giants game real quick and then we'll get back to the news. Um, And it's related to Damian Harris, Uh, Damian Harris, uh, I, I talked about a third back potentially, you know, working their way into the rotation, um, and, and it's possible that it does happen, you know, with either Ramondre Stevenson or, or JJ Taylor. But in this past preseason game, after they traded Sony Michelle, there was no third running back that came into the rotation with the starters. It was Damian Harris on all early downs and James White on passing downs. So, mm-hmm. a simple two man backfield for now, and the hope is that it stays that way because we want this backfield as tightly distributed as possible with clear roles. Uh, that would be ideal because that's not what we've had with the Patriots over the past like 15 years for fantasy. So that, that that's the hope that, that that continues. Now, let me ask you this question. You, you talked about Ramondre Stevenson potentially. We talked about this before we started recording. Ramondre Stevenson potentially being overvalued but yep. let me ask you this: Is there any value in drafting Ramondre Stevenson late? There could be, and I kind of view him as Damian Harris's
2: handcuff. If Damian yes. Harris were to go down, he's clearly the bigger back for goal line. He's clearly the early down guy, and in that respect, yes, there would be some value there. I agree, but for me, him going in the eleventh round is ridiculous. He got is he really eleventh round? That's his ADP right now wow i did not realize that so yeah he's going the 11th round and this dude had no snaps with the starters at all during any of the preseason games correct Um, and then when you think about how good Ramondre stevenson did let's talk about how good jj taylor did right because at times jj taylor played better than him i mean in that first week Ramondre Stevenson in like what the second to last play in the entire game ran for an 80 round 80 yard touchdown and blew up his stat sheet made him look good in front of everybody who was watching week one preseason because we all were but nobody was watching two and three because in week two JJ Taylor had 7.8 yards per carry he had 93 yards on the ground with 12 carries he did better than Ramondre Stevenson and got more targets in each of the three weeks and then the last week Ramondre Stevenson 23 yards JJ Taylor 76 yards Two, i mean I mean, in all aspects other than Ramondre Stevenson's big run jj taylor was the better running back in preseason and they were basically playing it, it was kind of like um damien harris and james white then this awkward phase in the middle where like sony michelle would like come in with like james white and like a little jj taylor and whatever and then that last phase would be jj taylor and Ramondre stevenson kind of playing that damien harris and sony michelle type role except JJ Taylor would see more of the rushes. <laughs> so my my whole point is why are we not hyping up JJ Taylor the same way we're heading up Ramondre Stevenson? JJ Taylor did just as good. And it's, it's that's what confuses me about the situation. I don't view Ramondre Stevenson as a threat to damien Harris. I view him as a handcuff if you're going to take Harris with a sixth pick or seven-fifth pick, whatever, and he gets hurt. Stevenson can come in and play that role. I look to the upside of Harris as like Legarrette Blunt in 2016. Legarrette blunt was the running back nine. That year, He had 18 rushing touchdowns, which is a little absurd, but it just kind of goes to show the amount of work that they were willing to give their guy when they had him, and I believe Damian Harris is that guy. I mean, he had over five yards per carry last year, and he saw some of the most stacked boxes in the entire league, and that offensive line wasn't right. There, there was a lot with the Patriots that wasn't right last year. Damian Harris still came through, so I'm only on Damian Harris. Roger Stevenson doesn't bother me at all.
1: You think Damian Harris is being underdrafted right now?
2: Yeah, I think he is. And I think a large part of that is because of Ramondre Stevenson. I, I think Ramondre Stevenson is a huge – and look, when I say underdrafted, I'm saying he's worth a fifth, sixth-round pick. He's going end of the sixth, beginning of the seventh. It's a one-round difference. But in that one round, he kind of joins the conversation of Chase Edmonds, Javante Williams, um, you know, guys like that. I think he belongs in that conversation, not in the, okay, we'll leave him for the scraps with Zach Moss. Like I, I believe he's – and Zach Moss and Michael
1: Carter. I believe he's kind of earned the right to be in that tier. That was a great explanation, man. That was awesome. <clears throat> Thank you. I'm, I'm just glad I was here for that. Okay. All right. Let's move on th- uh, for some news. I-, I have no, I have nothing to add to that. That, that was good. Um, JK Dobbins. Unfortunately, JK Dobbins went down. Everyone knows with that ACL injury, he's out for the year. Gus Edwards becomes the one A de facto one A in that backfield. Now, they have a running back named Tyson Williams. Not Tyson, but Tyson. Tyson Williams. Um, he is the other big back in that backfield. He had a you know pretty good preseason. He had some plays that will make you think that wow that 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 was a good preseason play right there. Um, and then they have. What's, up? What's their other running back's name? The satellite back that they Justice have? Justice Hill. Justice Hill. Boom. Justice Hill is going to be their passing down back most likely. Um, now, here's a situation where, you know, you want to, you know, upgrade Gus Edwards, obviously. Um, you know, in the beginning when I was looking at this this news, you know, I figured that, okay, like, you know, this is going to be a committee in a big way, no matter what, right? Like, this touches are going to be close to 50 50, right? And we that was definitely, I think that was going to be the case between JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards, like maybe not 50 50, but more like 60 40, right? In terms of touches between JK and yeah. and Gus Edwards, something like that, right? Yeah, uh, 57 43. I don't know, a little bit closer now. Gus Edwards had a case to you know be on the field, right? Because he was sufficient last year. Um, he was productive and he was he's a hard nosed runner and he fits the offense and he he did well. I think over the past few seasons, like it wasn't just last year where he, he contributed and he was really good. So I can understand why they, they, they had they had a they had a back on that team to say, okay, we can keep JK fresh, right? Like we can keep him fresh for the postseason and we can have a nice one-two running back duo and just run it down everyone's throats every single week. Now does J.K. Dobbins have that type of backup to kind of make coaches say like, okay, we're going to have this similar type of – Oh, what did I say, J.K.? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, does, does Gus Edwards have that type of back behind him um, where coaches are going to say like, okay, well, let's take Gus off the field and let this guy – Get forty percent of the touches and Gus Edwards sixty. I don't know that's the case, right? I don't know that the coaches view Tyson Williams as someone like that, and I don't know if the Ravens are necessarily going to sign somebody who will fit that mold and and be that guy, right? Um, So for now, I think that Gus Edwards is in a better situation than J.K. Dobbins is. J.K. Dobbins was going into this season. Now, obviously, J.K. Dobbins was a superior talent, like the way superior talent. And if you give J.K. Dobbins like 20 touches a game, this guy's going to destroy the league. Absolutely. But, but you know, it, it, Gus Edwards, I think, has a firmer lock on, you know, the majority of touches. And it, it, I think the touch distribution is going to be uh, wider between him and the next back than it would have been between J.K. Dobbins and him. So I do view, you know... Right now I view Gus Edwards as like a, you know, fringe RB2 at this point, you know, like a a solid flex play, touchdown dependent flex play. I can totally see him getting like 17 touches a game, 16 carries and like one catch (laughs) a game, something like that. Um, And I think that will be enough, you know, to get him volume. And he'll, the good thing with this situation is that he's going to get all the goal line touches when it comes to this backfield, at least Lamar Jackson is going to get his right. But before it was split between JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards, right. In those last like seven games, Dobbins had like, uh, I think it was like, uh, I think it was seven to four or eight Mm -hmm. to four in terms of inside the five touches uh, while both these guys were healthy. Um, So it's one of those things where like now, you know, it's either going to be Lamar or it's going to be Gus and, and not have that third back involved. So he's, he definitely gets a bump, um, but just know that he's not involved in the pass game. He's going to be touchdown dependent. It's a good offense, no doubt. Um, and it's an efficient offense, no doubt. Um, but just keep in mind that, you know, the Ravens might ha- add somebody to this backfield and, you know, Tyson Williams, you know, might be uh, pretty involved and you know, I just wouldn't expect Gus Edwards to get like, you know, 22, 23 carries a game. But like, don't expect that.
2: Yeah. So my take is a little different. I am not I'm not nearly as confident in Gus, only because I feel like what would have made Dobbins okay in that third, fourth turn where I would consider taking Dobbins is you, you talked about it before how good of a running back JK Dobbins is. Yeah. Um, Edwards is definitely good but he's not JK Dobbins good. And I, 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 like you said, I don't see a situation where he's getting 20 carries and with 15 carries, if if he's not making those breakaway runs, that's a dud game. Right. And, And I feel like another thing too is, yeah, there might be a larger touch distribution between him and another guy, but I think what happens in this situation is all these other guys start to pick up more slack. So we see Lamar taking more goal line carries, Lamar taking more early carries than he would have if it was Dobbins and Edwards. Um, We see Tyson Williams. He's going to come in, take some early down work. He could take some goal line work. You know, he'll filter in here and there. And I think rather than a guy like Dobbins, who on third downs, they were talking about using him as a pass catcher, rather than keeping Edwards on the field or keeping a guy like Dobbins, who they would have on the field. I think that's when Justice Hill is going to come in. He's going to come in passing down situations. He's going to come in on third down situations last year when JK Dobbins missed a game, Edwards had like 51% of the snaps and Justice Hill hell had like 49% of the snaps. So this was a near even split in the very, very small sample size that we had. So for me, and in that game, Gus Edwards did crap on the ground, by the way, he was just not a good uh, on the ground. So that could have played a part, but for, for me, I don't want to trust Edwards as my running back two or running back three only because they could still add a free agent as well. Like door is not closed. They're not pursuing Todd Gurley at this time, but we just had every single team in the NFL cut down to 53 players. And there's some running backs that have become available that might make sense for a team like Baltimore. I mean, imagine Jordan Howard and him kind of going one and two. Not that Jordan Howard is still at the epitome of his career, but I'm just saying like these are guys who were not previously available who have now made themselves available. the veterans they could come in a week before the season starts and they could play more of a role or take down touchdown and whatever. So for me if I'm drafting this weekend and the Ravens still haven't picked anyone up, I'm being extra careful with Edwards because I'll feel comfortable
1: knowing who they picked up and what kind of role Edwards is going to have. Yeah, no, I I, I think I I totally agree with you. I mean, that possibility is very likely. Um, And I think that, you know, you have to be very careful drafting. I I play in PPR leagues, man. Like, And it's just not some – he's not someone I'm interested in. Now, do I think that he's going to end up as a low-end RB2? Probably, you know, because of the fact that he's going to score touchdowns. Um, I can see him, you know, getting like, you know, will he – uh, is it possible for him to get like some 17, 18, 19 carry games? Yeah, I think so. I think I think if they're if they're up, I think that he does have that in him. Did he do it before with the Ravens? Yeah, he has. Um, but at the same time, like I'm I'm somebody who is steering clear for the most part. Uh, I think a lot of people are taking him like in that third, fourth round range. And that's just I I would never do that because there's so many wide receivers, you know, in that range who are more, you know, much you know, uh, more predictable bets that I'd rather make. Um, you know, the only way I would take someone like Gus Edwards is if he's available in like the sixth round or something like that. Um, and I'm not taking him over Damian Harris, right? So that, that's kind of how I see the situation. Damian Harris has his job secure, and we know that he's going to be the early down guy. Uh, well, we hope we do. Uh, and Gus Edwards is in a similar boat, but the difference there is that Gus Edwards doesn't have, I mean, Damian Harris doesn't have someone Vulturing touchdowns from him, right? <laughs> like 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 uh that that's the one thing that Gus Edwards has to, you know, has has to battle uh every single week. So, um it, you know, he definitely gets a bump up for sure. Um I think he ends up as a low end RB2 and a flex, but is not definitely not someone that I want to depend on. Yeah. Um okay, m- moving on. Uh TY Hilton has a neck injury. Uh not good. You know, he's this kind of opens the door uh, for a tighter target distribution uh, in, in Indy. Right. So you have uh, Michael Pittman, you know, who's, uh, you know, can be on a verge of a breakout season this year. Um, you have Paris Campbell, you know, fighting with Zach uh, Pascal for that slot role. Uh, it's possible that we end up seeing both of these guys on the field in 11 personnel uh, because of the fact that T.Y. Hilton might be out for a while. Um, this injury could be season ending potentially, uh, he could be out for several weeks, who knows, but a neck injury is never good. A neck injury doesn't seem to me like an injury where someone just comes back after a few weeks. Um, so, you know, I'll definitely be taking my shots on Michael Pittman late. Um, well, relatively late, he's not going super late, but he's going, you know, in that 10th, 11th round range. Um, and I think that value is fine for him, uh, because he could potentially be the number one target, uh, in that offense.
2: Yeah, I mean, with with Pittman and, you know, the thing with this Colts offense is like you're looking at Carson Wentz and you're looking at the team. You're like, okay, he's going to throw to someone, right? Because it seems like none of these pass catchers are being mentioned. Jonathan Taylor is barely a first rounder now. None of these wide receivers are even being considered in the top 40. None of the tight ends are even on anybody's radar. Like someone has to be relevant here. Um, Michael Pittman is the guy that comes to mind. I'm interested in Michael Strachan. He's a six foot five beast. He had a great preseason. Um, he, he's a later round pick, but he's you know one of those fast risers. And at the at this moment, he's currently listed, I believe, as fifth on their depth chart. So he's behind T. Y. Hilton, behind Michael Pittman, behind Paris Campbell, behind Zach Pascal. The only issue here is that who's going to play the outside? Because if T.Y. Hilton is out and Michael Pittman's in, and then Paris Campbell and Zach Pascal are both the slot guys, then you would, I mean, they might play two tight end sets, who knows. But if Michael Strachan kind of establishes himself as the other outside wide receiver, he might get some real playing time. And I mean, buying into a late round rookie is not something I want to do. I'm just, someone has to be relevant here, and it could be more than one dude. I think Michael Pittman's a great pick. But I'm, you know, if I can get Michael Strachan with my last pick, and
1: God forbid he turns into something great, if he doesn't, then whatever. Yeah, yeah, I hear you, and I think that he's more of a dynasty look to me. Yeah, like you know, someone I'm more excited about in dynasty than I am in redraft this year, um, for obvious reasons, right? Yeah. Uh, But I I just feel like he has a lot more to overcome um, to see time in the field, see targets. Than you know, these other guys, right. Like Michael Pittman, who seems to have established himself as like the only like real mainstay, you know, on this, you know, in this starting lineup in terms of like a wide receiver, um, you know, none of these tight ends uh, are going to be, you know, seem to be like, you know, huge magnets when it comes to the passing game. Right. So like, like you said, like it needs to go somewhere. Right. It's, I, I feel like it's going to go to this backfield. And, it's, and, you know, we know how bad Carson Wentz is tar- is at targeting running backs. Uh, but I think Michael Pittman is, is that guy. And we've seen Carson Wentz obviously target the slot. Paris Campbell, I think, you know, hopefully he can win that job out because you know how much of a fan I am of him. Um, and he, you can get him off of waivers, uh, you know, after week one, right before week one, you know, but we'll see. Uh, During preseason, Zach Pascal was playing over him, which sucks. Paris Campbell was playing in the game after the starters came out of the game. Hopefully it's only is just because they want to get his conditioning right, you know, since he didn't play all season last year. Who knows what it is? Who knows? I'm just making excuses for Paris Campbell. But, um, (laughs) you know, I think both of these guys uh, need to be looked at and especially with the injury to T.Y. Hilton we have to start paying attention to these calls wire receivers because the target distribution, you know, let, let's say T.Y. Hilton got at least 80 targets this year, right? It probably would have been more if he stayed healthy somehow um, that, if that gets distributed in, in a tight manner to a couple, like one or two other wire receivers, mostly two wire receivers, like you're looking at, you know, some really fancy developing guys. So, you know, don't like, you know, just count out these, these Colts wide receivers. They're in good, they're in a good system. uh, And Carson Wentz, you know, is a capable quarterback, you know, in terms of like, you know, having heavy fantasy development wide receivers. Remember, you know, he was, he he was, you know, doing just fine uh, on the Eagles at some point and they had like no weapons. So I think he'll do a little bit better in a better system and one that is quarterback friendly. All right. Uh, Irv Smith. Starting tight end for the Vikings has will miss some time. Um, I think it's an MCL injury. So yeah, he'll so be out.
2: Expected to probably miss the first four weeks of the season is the last thing I saw.
1: Yeah. So, you know, in those first four weeks, yeah, I guess, you know, a little bit of a tighter distribution between Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I don't really expect, uh, and Dalvin Cook, I don't really expect, um, you know, anybody to emerge in uh, in this time. Um, and, and you broke it. Then they proceed to trade for Chris Herndon. (laughs) Chris Herndon, everybody's fantasy sweetheart, uh, has has re-emerged from the ashes. The Jets left him for dead. Adam Gase killed him. Mm -hmm. And Robert Sala refused to revive Shift off his body. (laughs) Shift off his body to the island of... Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I I don't think this guy's going to be fantasy relevant, but they do need some depth and they do they do need some passing uh, tight end, like, you know, some tight end who's going to be able to run some routes and he'll be able to do that just fine because he probably ran the most routes of any tight end last year without getting a target. Yeah, uh, so, so yeah, there you go. So he can practice with them and he'll be fine. Uh, but listen, Irv Smith, as much as Mike Zimmer was talking shit about Irv Smith during the off season, <laughs> Irv Smith was fire this this preseason in terms of usage. Yeah. Um, he was running a shit ton of routes with the first team. His route, prote- route participation was near eighty percent, which is like that's what you want to see, you know. And um, he's somebody who could potentially, you know, be a little bit of a sleeper. So don't don't sleep on him when he's coming back from injury. Put him on the back of your bench. You never know. You might, if you're streaming tight ends, he might be somebody who you end up keeping, you know, after, after, you know, a couple of weeks of yeah, starting. For Irv, I think he, bec- he kind of becomes. That- are, are you guys cool like that now? Like you, you just call him Irv now? Yeah. Yeah. That's your boy? Irv, he's my boy. Irv. All right, cool. He's cool.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but. I think this is amazing for Herb's value because he's going to be dropping to like the last pick or second or last pick of your drafts. He's not going to get drafted. <laughs> he's not going to get it. And what's perfect is like if he's—I always draft a backup tight end.
1: You, I you know, know what's funny? You no, know you know what's funny about this? Me and you are like the only people who are like still drafting. I mean, obviously, there's people going to still be drafting after the preseason is over. Sure. Uh, but like, so many people have drafted already. <laughs> Right. Like, and this is like, we're, we're we're in a different world. We're like, we're drafting like every other day. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) But
2: my whole point is I'm always drafting a backup tight end and always going for an upside backup tight end because that's been my strategy for all these years. I mean, last year I got like Logan Thomas the year before I got like Darren Waller. And like, that was my thing. of just like getting these really late guys who have huge upside and Irv Smith can be that guy this year. Because you're getting him with your last pick. If you have a starting tight end, are you planning on benching him for Irv Smith for the first four weeks? No. If I have Travis Kelsey, I'm starting Travis Kelsey for the first four weeks. And then guess what? Irv comes back, he's healthy, he's killing it. I have perfect trade bait. Or if Travis Kelsey is in a bye week, I have a perfect bye-week fill-in. So like there's if you're gonna draw if Irv is your second tight end, then he's a no-brainer because he's gonna come back when your guys hurt or when you guys are in a bye week, when you guys hurt, or you can trade him and then improve your team that way. So uh, in terms of drafting Irv, rather than having to draft him as your tight end one and hope he hits his upside,
1: you draft him as your tight end two, he's a perfect backup. I think, um, you know, the way that you talk, like, is so convincing. But, like, I, I me personally, I could never keep an injured player, you know, with, like, like Irv Smith on my roster for four weeks. IR.
2: Keep him sure. IR, but here's the thing if Injured there's tired no- or not yeah. right yeah sure Go ahead. if you have <laughs> let's think about it this way if you have a wide receiver on your bench and you know you're not starting him those first four weeks are you just dropping him or are you just holding him and if you're drafting a backup tight end anyway who's not going to see the field
1: would you just drop him anyway like you have the backup tight end for a reason you know what I mean? i'll tell you i'll tell you how i use that roster <laughs> spot the way I use that roster spot is I I pick up players who can potentially break out that week. And if yeah, they don't break out, I don't if they don't break out, I drop them. So I always have a watch list of players who can break out every single week, right? Justin Jefferson. Right last season. Right. When did he break out? Week what week three? So oh I think it was like week four something like that. Right. So like these are the type of players you you keep an eye on because you know that the roles are changing. You pick them up throw them at the end of your bench and and then they can pop off and then you already have them, right? That's how I use that spot because what ends up happening is if I pick up a player who I'm waiting to break out and I know that nothing's changing, nothing's changing, nothing's changing. For me personally, that roster spot is a little bit of a waste because I can have my bench work for me. And, And that's kind of how I like to like potentially reach for that upside continuously on an every week basis instead of keeping my eggs in that one basket for four weeks. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. It's I mean, strategies is different. Yeah. Different boats for different floats. That's how it goes, right? That's, that's what the that's how the saying goes. Different boats for different floats. I, I will say, if you
2: have an IR spot, it is a great move though. because then you it, can just keep an IR and have that bench spot free.
1: One hundred percent. If you have an IR spot and you're not using it, like you got to, like you have to use your IR spot. If there's anybody, you know that you. Here's one thing that you do at the end of drafts you literally draft a player that you know is going to be on IR, (laughs) right? So, like, you draft them in the 14th round, you put them in your IR spot, or whether it's Irv Smith or whoever else, um, and then after you put them in your IR slot, you just pick up another player when the draft is over with that empty roster spot. Like Chris Herndon. Just like Chris Herndon. (laughs) Um, All right. So, the Broncos have named Teddy Bridgewater the starting quarterback. Um, Ooh! And which is which is awesome, right? Like for Jerry Judy in particular. Now, which is another thing that was pretty cool was that um, Cortland Sutton came back, caught a touchdown from Ooh. Teddy, so he's back. And now, if you're drafting Cortland Sutton, um, or if you're you have yet to draft and you were always, you were wondering about Cortland Sutton, at least now you know that he's healthy, at least he's, re- he's healthy enough to take the field, which is a great thing, right, if you were already drafting, and you were, in Cortland Sutton, you know, was, was in your, you know, you're looking at Cortland Sutton while you were drafting, you're like, well, I don't know how healthy he is, I don't know how he's mm-hmm. going to be, because reports on Sutton weren't really that great, right, during the, during the offseason, like, it's, but even just a couple of weeks ago, like, they were saying that Cortland Sutton isn't there quite just yet, you know, things like that, and you're just negative tones throughout, but court came back first game score a touchdown. So good for him. He's back. He has upside Um, even coming off the ACL. So uh he's somebody that, you know, like he's not going late enough for me to be like, okay, sure. Like I'm going to target him like that. But um, you know, Jerry Judy is the guy I'd rather have. I think that he just fits better with Teddy Bridgewater, but this is good news for Teddy, uh, for, for, for Teddy, obviously for, 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 for Judy, uh, you know, KJ Hamler, depending on if he's only running deep routes or not, maybe not, he might be better with drew lock, but KJ Hamler is yeah. a good route runner as well. And he had amazing college production. So I would look out for him as well, because remember Teddy Bridgewater was able to, to produce three top 30 wide receivers last year, uh, in Carolina. So just keep an eye out, you know, don't, Don't ignore his other wide receivers outside of Jerry, Judy, and Cortland son. Yeah, and I think what's amazing is Teddy was able to
2: keep three top 30 wide receivers with throwing less than 20 touchdowns in the entire year. There were a total of 16 touchdowns, passing touchdowns to go around for the Carolina Panthers quarterbacks and i think pj walker was responsible for like one or two of those
1: right so. and when you said less than 20 i'm like 20 was a lot like 20 is not it wasn't even close to 20 <laughs> you know what i mean it was like closer to 15 so it's just, <laughs> it's just hilarious um james winston also named starting quarterback for the saints um that was an easy call man after that big yeah. game that he had a couple of weeks ago throwing two touchdowns only having one incompletion No interceptions, right? That was key. Um, So he won the competition. Listen, I think Taysom Hill's still going to be involved. Uh, He's going to be in packages, especially in the red zone. So, you know, don't get your hopes off of him not seeing the field if you have Alvin Kamara. But I think this is a good thing for Marquez Callaway. Obviously, we saw the type of rapport that these two had uh, with each other. Taysom Hill had some rapport with him too, which to me just signals that he's a damn good wide receiver. Right, um, so you know that's you know good for him. Marquez was his thing. I do want to mm-hmm. ask one question about Marquez Callaway in a second, but Alvin Camara, I think he gets a boost. Maybe we're not used to Jameis Hill dumping the ball down to his running back. Jameis Hill? <laughs> did I say Jameis Hill? <laughs> you combined the <it> two. <laughs> you know why? Because you, you remember the, the the ESPN personality Jamel Hill? No, no, she was on like some show. Never mind. I'm just I'm just making shit up and excuses for myself now. But Jameis Winston, um, you know we're not used to him like you know throwing the ball down like to running backs and stuff. But this is the Saints' offense. This is what they do, right? So like this is Jameis Winston is just going to be doing whatever Sean Payton asks him to do, and part of that is dumping the ball down to Alvin Kamara uh, whenever he can't get that read going. And Alvin Kamara is going to be the first read on a lot of plays because that's what they do now. Um, moving forward, Taysom Hill, you know, what he would have done, like if he was the quarterback, is not dump the ball down as much. He would have tucked the ball and run it, right? Mm -hmm. He would have ran the ball 10 to 15 times a game, which is several um, checkdowns that Alvin Kamara would have got from a normal quarterback who doesn't run like Jameis Winston. So this works out for Alvin Kamara. So he gets a boost for me with this news. I'm hoping that Jameis Winston can keep the job. That's my hope. I'm rooting for the guy because I do not want to stop seeing workout videos and I do not want to stop <laughs> seeing him his pregame routine. I want to I see not, him eat, eat a W. I want to he gotta eat Ws all day long. So that's <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. Um, uh, any other boost, man? Like, do you see any other like uh, any other wins or is Marquez Calloway and Alvin Kamara the only players that matter? Oh, by the way. <laughs> I want to know what you think about Jameis, too, as a fantasy option.
2: So I do like Jameis. He's in my top 20. He's fringe top 15 for me. Um, Look, I, I think with how much money they're paying Taysom Hill, I would be extremely, extremely, extremely surprised if if they don't use him more and what I mean by that is not just playing quarterback, but they're going to use him out wide, especially with Michael Thomas guy. Taysom Hill is going to be all over the place. I feel like part of Taysom Hill's thing is that he was like guaranteed the starting job. When Freeze left, he was kind of like introduced to that role. Hence why he started the last five games, even with Winston there. Um, but he ultimately lost the competition. He's being paid a lot of money. He's going to be used as a runner. He's going to be used as a pass catcher. He's going to line up at tight end. He's going to have some passes. And I'm concerned that if Jameis Winston starts to hit his old ways and throw all these picks, he could get benched. And then Taysom Hill could come in, and you know that's, that's a whole other thing. But look, Alvin Kamara, I've been all over him this entire offseason. regardless of whether it was going to be Taysom, whether it was going to be Jameis. He's a top three pick, no doubt. Does this make? I think this makes him an argument for number two. I mean, between him and Dalvin. I I think you really can make an argument for Alvin Kamara being that high with James Winston. Uh Marquez Callaway, the clear winner. We're still very confused about this tight end group. And Adam Troutman getting hurt did not help that at all. It seems like Juwan Johnson, their uh rookie from last year, like a sixth, seventh round rookie wide receiver, has transitioned to tight end and he's been doing it pretty well. And he was lining up with the starters and he was getting targeted as well. So Juwan Johnson, is he someone to look out for? I don't know. Even even with Breeze in his prime, this is not an offense that supported more than like two or three guys. This was Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. And then like, okay, throw in Brandon Cooks or throw in a little bit of this. So you're going to have Marquez Callaway. You're going to have Alvin Kamara. And we'll see what else comes up for him.
1: When are you targeting Marquez Callaway? That's a great question because I have a slow
2: draft going on right now. And I'm deciding like when I did a two QB league, but I'm thinking around the ninth and 10th. That's not a bad spot. Like, I, don't, I, I don't know if I feel comfortable, even though he's, it's funny because like, in my mind, he's going to produce like a wide receiver three, free, probably like a wide receiver two. But I just don't feel comfortable taking him as that guy. Like, especially if Michael Thomas does come back, then, you know, he might fall off a little bit. He still might be relevant, because of his chemistry with Jameis Winston and the fact that, I mean, if we saw preseason, it takes one or two passes for him to have a big game, especially if he's, you know, Michael Thompson is going to take away the number one coverage. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like
1: ninth, tenth, that, that's where I if, feel if you If you want Marquez Calloway, <laughs> I don't think you can wait until the ninth or tenth round. But you know what? I if I don't you, get Calloway, I get
2: Elijah Moore, so I'm chill.
1: Yeah, no, I hear you. I I, I think you if you want Callaway, you got to take him to eighth as of today, I think if, if you want him, you got to take him in the eighth. Now, you know, Jerry Judy's being taken before now, like his price has risen about a round or so. So he's mm-hmm. he's gone. I ra- I'm ra- I'd rather take him. Um, so it's really like at that spot, like you're looking the wide receivers you're looking at is Antonio Brown, Corey Davis, you know, who I've been taking early as well. I've been taking shots on Corey Davis in the seventh, by the way depending on who you're drafting with, you got to take these shots because after the sixth round, people are just grabbing whoever ADP is flying out the window at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. So guys like Corey Davis, guys like Antonio Brown and guys like Marquez Calloway. Um, those are the guys you kind of have to choose in between. Right. And like Corey Davis, like is probably going to be, you know, the, 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 the one, right. At least to start the season, right. Marquez Calloway is going to be the one to start the season. I'm not sure you could say the same thing about Antonio Brown, but you know Antonio Brown's trajectory can look upward. Corey Davis is—you're hoping that it stays like that throughout the season. Marquez Callaway, you're hoping that it stays like that throughout the season. Um, can you rank those three guys for me?
2: Marquez Callaway, Corey Davis, and who's the last guy? Here? Antonio Brown. <clears throat> Antonio Brown's gonna. Oh, Antonio. I, I that, that's tough, first. isn't it? That's tough, isn't it? Because
1: those guys, those three guys, I think are like squarely right going right next to each other. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So,
2: I would put AB first, and then I'm gonna follow it up with Marquez Calloway. (sighs) But do I want to do that? Okay. So, (laughs) me me, me and you are both huge Elijah Moore supporters. We are. That's kind of where it lies for me. Of like. Part of me likes the upside of Elijah Moore more than Corey Davis, sure. So, like, that's where I'm kind of hesitant. I'm like, okay, well, I feel like I'd rather draft Elijah Moore than Corey Davis, especially if, if I'm if I need a wide receiver three, yeah, and I'm looking at Corey Davis or Elijah Moore, I'm 100% taking Corey Davis, yeah, because I, I know agree. I'm going to get that even production. But sure. if I'm drafting late and I'm drafting for upside, right, I'm drafting Elijah Moore. Yep. And that's kind of why I'm so conflicted because AJ, you know, Antonio Brown, he's got great upside and he also has some, you know, not much safety to him, but especially with Brady, he looked good. So I feel comfortable taking him. Marquez Callaway, as we know, wide receiver one upside. Um, and then, you know, Corey Davis, I don't know how much upside he truly has. I think he might be like a decent wide receiver two at best, but Elijah Moore is kind of a guy who could take it over the top. So that's how I would order them.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I like it. I like it. Uh, it's interesting man because like you know these are the draft stat- strategies that we have to think about and, and i i think that point that you made about needing that wide receiver three i think i'm most yeah. comfortable uh taking Corey davis there right after that for me is marquez calloway and then right after that is antonio brown i'm putting antonio okay. brown last on this list um okay Jameis winston uh starting at quarterback i already mentioned that okay stefan gilmore <laughs> is, start- is going to start the season on the puck uh, meaning he's going to miss the first six weeks of the season at the very least. So going down the list, week one, Devonte Parker and Jalen Waddell. upgrade for them. Not that you're drafting Devonte Parker, maybe you are. Don't. Parker um, had some
2: success on Gilmore, actually.
1: Sure, yeah, okay. <laughs> Corey Corey Davis and Elijah Moore in week two, upgrade for them. Marquez Calloway in week three, upgrade for him. Mike Evans and Antonio Brown. Upgrade for week four. Why didn't I mention Chris Godwin? Because he plays in the slot. Brandon Cooks gets an upgrade in week five, and then in week six, Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb get an upgrade, uh, and so does Michael Gallup because they're all going to be interchanging. So all those three guys get an upgrade in week six. So a bunch of fantasy relevant wide receivers yeah. who you're you would have been a little bit you know <laughs> worried about in terms of like going up against Stefan Gilmore. Now, mm. I think they get an upgrade. Just watch because J.C. Jackson is not a scrub either. Sure, but is he Stefan Gilmore?
2: Last year he was pretty playing pretty well. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. It's it's Stephon Gilmore at this point he's been injured in and out. He hasn't last yeah. year he didn't really play up to his full capabilities. You know? It's true, and, and and well, but he did pretty good
1: though. No, yeah, he he did, did. he did great, but he wasn't like
2: there's undoubtedly always, the quarterback
1: one. You know what I there's mean? There's always that downfall, right? There's yep. always that downfall, right? And the Patriots always do a good job playing on the outside. So, yep. you know, I'm 30s be, now. So. yeah, I'm gonna be way too overconfident with all these wide receivers over the first six weeks. Um, okay, you know what's funny? This is a preseason episode, and we didn't go over like any preseason. yet. Preseason,
2: so,
1: yeah. let's 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 jump through these pretty quickly. You know, nothing too too significant, but we talked about the Patriots and Giants. Um, let me ask you a question with Kenny Galladay still hurt with the hamstring injury. Are you considering Sterling Shepard at all? I am, especially now that Evan Ingram is
2: also hurt and his status for week one is also in doubt. And Saquon Barkley's status for week one is also in doubt. Look, if you're going to spend a 16th round pick on a guy who could be a flex for week one, that's worth the 16th round pick, right? Like Sterling Shepard could be playable week one as a flex guy. and Especially Especially if
1: you're you're not like, if you drafted a team and you're not confident in your flex, that's Mm. when you draft Sterling Shepard.
2: Sterling Shepard is looking like a great week one flex option. He's probably, you know, in my first starts and sits, he's probably going to be a desperate start just because, yeah. and, and, you know, Matt Harmon, our, our boy over at Yahoo, he's still all over and head over heels for Sterling Shepard and how well he's done as a receiver and how he's uh, charted and scored and things like man, uh, man coverage and stuff like that. So Sterling Shepard is still playing at a high level
1: okay let's move on to the Raiders and 49ers uh Raheem Mostert finally revealed in this last preseason game and and he looked fucking good dude like there have been whispers all offseason um are you yawning for Raheem Mostert is that what you just did I don't
0: like the 49ers running backs
1: oh Jesus okay I'm gonna keep this one to myself um there's been whispers all offseason that they have been they have a lot in store for Mostert um I think the thing with him is that, you know, A, he has to stay healthy, and B, he needs more volume. Um, but he, he'll he be a fine stopgap for your fantasy team for the first several weeks of the season. Um, Trey Sermon came in after Mostert played the entire first drive, um, about 10 snaps or so. I think if anything were to happen to Mostert, it can be Trey Sermon's show. Um, if you need a running back for the start of the year, It's Mostert at his price. Um, You want a running back to potentially emerge later in the season, it's Sermon. So, like, if you need an RB2 for whatever reason, I have no problem grabbing Mostert, Um, you know, because you can make adjustments. That's the best thing Um, uh, throughout the season. So know that if you do draft Mostert, know that he is not going to be your permanent solution at your RB2 position. You have to make moves, uh, but he's he's going to get you by just fine Um, over the first several weeks of the season, especially since you probably went wide receiver heavy um, and got those elite wide receivers early. Um, Wayne Gallman got Mm. released. Um, So it looks like, you know, he is not going to be vying for any time uh, with the 49ers backfield. Um, So I think part of your alphabet soup narrative has fell apart. We lost the C, now we only have the D, E,
2: F, and G. it!
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Moving on, John Brown uh, asked the Raiders to release him, and they have. He wasn't starting anyway. He was playing in the fourth preseason game with Dylan Stoner, Keelan Doss, and DJ Turner. Uh, Outside of Nathan Peterman, there isn't one skilled player you've heard of besides John Brown, (laughs) and I get why he asked for his release. But it's Brian Edwards' season, baby. It is. Moving on to the Rams and Broncos, Tyler Higbee hasn't played at all this preseason which kind of boosts the stock to me a little bit. Uh more 11 personnel this year, no real rotation it seems like at tight end. Um Johnny Munt seems like the second tight end here and he's a blocking guy. So after this preseason, I think Higby gets a slight bump for me especially given all the tight ends who are falling like like crazy in my rankings. Um any 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 input on Tyler Higby? I saw a tweet the other day that was like
2: um it was something like 25% of all of Tyler Higbee's fantasy points in his entire career came from that five-week span that one year.
1: and like, That's it? That's it? Only 25%? I feel like it would be like 25,
2: 50. 30, something like that. I, I don't know the exact number off top of my head. But I still find that hilarious. And, like, I don't know. I, I just – there's not a lot of – And, look, when tight ends late, you're just shooting for upside. So, I, I'm okay with taking him late. I just don't like that his ADP is, like, 10th round when a guy like Mike Gazeki is going in the 12th. Because I will never make that decision where I'm taking Tyler Higbee over Mike Gazeki.
1: By the way, um, I'm warming up to I'm warming up to uh, a little to bit Big more. Mike. Ooh, you like a Big Mike? That's all I got to say. I got an important draft coming up tomorrow. Um, cor- <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Is your brother uh, asking the
2: questions again? Whoever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um,
1: all right. So uh, Melvin Gordon came back as well, uh, which is a good sign of his health. He's there were soft soft tissue injury concerns with him. Uh, but proceed with him in a similar situation as like Raheem Mostert, for example, except with less, I would say less week-to-week upside than Mostert. I think Mostert can take it to the house on any given play. Gordon, not so much. So Gordon, you know, for the early season start, you can get him super late in drafts. Um, He'll probably play a three-down role, not every-down role because Javante Williams is going to be very involved. Um, But Gordon will likely be the passing-down guy as well. So he gets a little bit of a boost there. Um, But, like, Javante Williams is, like, the late-season emergence guy, and Gordon is, like, the early-season guy. That's how I kind of look at it. Um, Gordon is less risky at his price, and Javante is more risky, but for a potential higher payoff later in the season. Um, Seahawks and Chargers. Uh, Gerald Everett, Split time with Will Disley with the starters, and that kind of sucks for Everett, uh, who I was hoping would be like an every down tight end. Uh, Everett ran only two routes more than Disley in this game. Not ideal for someone who I was pretty interested in extremely late at tight end. But, you know, there are reports that Russell Wilson is targeting Everett a ton during training camp, and they, they, they really have formed a, a nice rapport. So at his price, like there is no reason to like get off of Gerald Everett because he's like going undrafted. Um, and if you can grab him with like the, the second to last pick or last pick of your draft, because, you know, he is, you know, he's not a well Cup secret at this point, um, yeah. but like, you know, he's a fine late round grab for upside. Like like the, the strategy that you were talking about in terms of like grabbing that upside, you yeah. know, tight end too. I think that fits this that mold perfectly.
2: Yeah. And, and I think kind of just to go on that <laughs> a little bit is like, even if gerald Everett is splitting time with a guy like will disley first of all come on it's will disley at this point in his career (laughs) he's had all these injuries whatever um second of all the familiarity with the offense with shane waldron and the fact that maybe they do um you know maybe they do run some two tight end personnels or something like that especially since they don't really have a third wide receiver who's all that worth being on the field in Seattle right now, uh, Dwayne Eskridge. I don't know how far away he is, but you know. Uh, but yeah, look. I mean, you're not drafting Gerald Everett as like, okay, he's going to be a top five, consistent week to week tight end. You're drafting him as a okay, oh, yeah. he's going to have big games. Oh, you are. What?
1: Huh. Hmm. I I didn't say anything. (laughs) No, I said I am. I'm drafting him to be my top five tight end. I've been doing it all off season uh, just because like, I want to just be right on this one because I've avoided taking tight ends. um, And uh, you know, just because like, I love all the depth at running back. I mean, you know, I I try to get as much running back depth as possible. And then I love so many wide receivers this year that are going late uh, just to kind of hit. I want to hit on at least one or two of those guys. Um, and then be able to hit on that late-round tight end, and then I win every championship. Please, yeah. please, please go on. No, I was basically done. I mean, like,
2: <laughs> you, you like you shouldn't be viewing this as a guy who's going to be a top-five tight end. You just kind of view him as a week-to-week, okay, he has that upside to be a top-five tight end this week. It doesn't mean he's always going to hit it. So the fact that he's, you know, interchanging roles, with Will Disley and whatever, doesn't really bother me because that's not really how I viewed him.
1: Good. Good. I'm more confident now. Uh, Bills and Packers. Emmanuel Sanders with Ooh. seven targets from Josh Allen. This Bills starting offense played way too much in this game for no reason. Um, <laughs> he'll be great. I think like Emmanuel Sanders is going to be great for like five weeks. Um, but Gabriel Davis has a shot to break out if Sanders were to get hurt. This is a pass-heavy offense. But you know it doesn't look like Gabriel Davis is going to play over Sanders right now. Um, and you know, he was out-targeted uh by Sanders seven to five or something like that. Uh Davis was playing exclusively on the outside, and Sanders was kind of moving around the slot outside, kind of playing that Z role. Um, now if you're drafting Davis, it's it's to stash him. And I'm assuming that you'll likely be able to pick him up off of waivers in a couple of weeks after the season starts, you know, assuming your league doesn't have like seven or eight bench spots. Because there's not many leagues that I hate more than leagues that have like eight bench spots because what ends up happening Mm. is that everyone's hoarding players. Right. And like, you don't have to make those tough decisions of who to drop. Right. There's usually one obvious guy. I feel like the, the, the optimal number of bench spots is like six in a 12 team league or a 10 team league. What do you think? You think five or six, (laughs) or do you think not more than that? Right. Um, I like to. Well, that's tough because I play in a lot of
2: IDP leagues, so forget about IDP, huh? Forget about IDP, throw IDP out the window. Never
1: (laughs) come on, Jordan, send it to Jordan. He's gonna be Uh, so ashamed of you. Our our friend Jordan, the Cardi B of IDP, is gonna be upset. (laughs) Self 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 proclaimed, self proclaimed. It's true. Um,
2: look, like I'm seven bench spots, I think, is the sweet spot. six six is doable because i usually like to have a backup tight end i like to have running there i like a bigger bench and i think you can kind of um like if you have six and like an ir spot that's fine if you have seven in an ir spot that's fine if you have eight you do not need an ir spot so like that's just kind of how i view it as like i'd rather have a larger bench because i
1: think it makes it more fun here's here's my ideal uh starting lineup and bench okay you ready (laughs) forget about idp for a second Um, And 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 super flex. I love super flex, but forget about that for a second. Quarterback, one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, two flex, and one defense. No tight end, and then oh yeah, and tight end. I'm sorry, and one tight end, and six bench spots, and then two IRs. That's that's how I like to roll. I like I like the two IRs with that. Yeah, I like the two IRs too. Okay. Anyway, Mm. That, that was a little bit of a tangent, but the point is that Emmanuel Sanders is going to be fantasy relevant while he's healthy. And Gabriel Davis can pop off like he did in this past game, by the way. He did a lot more with his five targets than Sanders did with his. I think Sanders like caught like five balls for like 20 yards. And, and, and Davis had like 80 yards on five targets and a touchdown. So moving on. Jets and Eagles. Um, Jordan Howard and Kerryon Johnson were both released. So Miles Sanders is the guy on early downs, and he always was. Don't tell anyone, don't let anyone tell you different. The only running back the Eagles are rolling with is Sanders, Boston Scott, and Kenny Gainwell. I feel like Sanders is extremely underrated going into the season. I I don't I, I listen, I, and that goes with me saying this. I don't have Miles Sanders in any league so far. But at the same time, I'm under, I'm underestimating him. I think everybody is. Um is really about the wide receivers going around where he's going and the fact that i don't think he's going to be like extremely involved in the passing game that's why deandre swift has always been the only running back that i'd like to take in that range Mm -hmm. um and if i'm not taking deandre swift in that range it's one of the one of the wide receivers or if you know if uh darren waller falls right that's Mm -hmm. kind of how i look at that situation that that range um but yeah miles sanders is the dude um who do you think is going to be more involved here i mean boston scott has been the RB2 this preseason. Um, Do you see him being more fantasy relevant or do you think Kenny Gainwell can have some sort of role here? I think Kenny Gainwell is going to make a name for himself. And I think the quote that sticks out to me
2: the most about this is Nick Nick Sirianni relating Kenny Gainwell to Naheem Hines. So, um, and I think him making that comparison to me kind of says like, okay, even if he's not ready for that kind of role right now, we want to get him ready and we want to put him in that role. So I think Kenny Gamewell's role is going to grow over the course of the season. Um, he's a Memphis guy. And we've seen a lot of these Memphis guys, Tony Pollard, Antonio Gibson, Daryl Henderson. Uh they they've all, you know, held up their reputation and they all it, it's funny because they other than Antonio Gibson kind of being the outlier here, <laughs> like Tony Pollard and Daryl Henderson are like perfect like counterparts
1: to their number ones. Especially Pollard, dude. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. like for me, this season, Pollard might be my number one handcuff. Yeah, and and, and that's my point of, like, I mean, obviously
2: the school doesn't, follow, you know, make everything solid, but, like, that that's why I think Kenny Gainwell, if he's following in the footsteps of some of those guys, and Kenny Gainwell was playing over a lot of these other guys when he was actually in college. Uh, I think he was playing... Over Antonio Gibson, um, you know, which is why Gibson only had like 33 carries or whatever it is in um, college. Yeah, you know, I, I think if Kenny Gainwell hits his upside, he could be a valuable late round pick. But Miles Sanders 100 has lost that pass catching role. He's had such a bad issue with drops. He's really fallen off in that respect, and I think they're kind of done putting him in that position. So it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be either Kenny Gainwell or Boston Scott in that role.
1: Yeah, um Kenny Gamel was second uh, among all college prospects in two thousand nineteen in yards per route run. Um yeah. among all running backs with at least forty targets. Um the guy who, who was first ran forty ran seventy less routes than he did. Um his two point three nine yards per route run was third best over the last several years. That was only behind Christian McCaffrey and Joe Mixon. So uh Very fourth good company, in- the two best running backs in the league. But <laughs> dude, I love it. Uh, he was he was fourth in career yards per route run, along with Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Curtis Samuel. Remember, Curtis Samuel used to be a running back. Good company, right there, guys. Very good. Um, and then you got to remember that he played ahead of Antonio Gibson in 2019, right? So, can he be have an impact in PPR leagues? Yes. Would I rather draft him over James White in leagues at the end of the drafts? Yes. Upside. Upside, baby. Okay, moving on. Friday, baby. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> moving on. Uh, no. Um, so we talked about Elijah Moore already. We talked about Corey Davis, so we, we don't have to talk really? about that. Uh, but I do want to talk about Tevin Coleman. He's a starter right now, followed by Ty Johnson as the one B, followed by Michael Carter. Carter is currently off my draft board, which really hurts to say, because I love Michael Carter. I'm a Michael Carter apologist, but I'm taking shots at both Coleman and Ty Johnson. Super late in drafts, the guy I personally think has the most upside here is Ty Johnson. Combination of speed and strength, like just draws draws me to him over Coleman. They just see him truck that dude this weekend. Like it was a serious play right there. but, you know, I think the coaching staff knows Coleman pretty well from his days in San Francisco, so they don't necessarily need to see too much of him in the preseason. That's just what I like to believe, just because I want to believe that. But yeah. Ty, Ty Johnson, you know, to me, like, he can, he seems like he can emerge as the 1A. And beat reporters do believe that he's been the best back in camp this offseason.
2: Yeah, and, and I think um, with the Jets, they, they had Michael Carter as someone who they were targeting in the second round. Um, But he ended up falling all the way to them in the fourth round. I saw the report of, like, oh, they had a second-round grade on him. Right. But ultimately, like, especially in the preseason, I was hoping Michael Carter would, like, blow up. I hope he'd, like, break free, run this long touchdown, and be be like, yeah, that's Michael Carter. He didn't really do much, right? And then guys like Ty Johnson did. And Ty Johnson, even last year, looked great. Uh, We can safely say that Michael P. Ryan is just – garbage true shoot get out of here Michael Michael P Ryan he's out of here so I don't think Tevin Coleman's really going to last that long either I honestly imagine this backfield without Tevin Coleman and the combination of Ty Johnson and Michael Carter I think that'd be fantastic I was surprised Tevin Coleman didn't get cut to be honest
1: yeah um uh, th- what you said Tevin Coleman really yeah oh but like they were saving him man like it seems like he was going to be their RB1 this whole time you know, and uh, and the reason why they like him, and I got some insight from Jason Aponte, who's who okay. big on the 49ers. It was just that they just love all the little things that he does in terms of, like, pass protection and things like that. Mm. You know, it's not it's not so much like, you know, the, the running ability. The hold
2: the fort down in the running back room kind
1: of guy. Malcolm Brown, right? Yep. Like, like Perfect. That, type of, that, that type of player.
2: Never heard a better comparison to a role on a team than Tevin
1: Coleman to Malcolm Brown. That yeah. is perfect. Wow. I, I would say Tevin Coleman's like a little bit better, but like, it's basically the reason why coaches like him. You know, they, they do all the little things. Right. Which is why. Brown was this, better last year. Yeah. Which is why like Kyle Shanahan, like, you know, handpicked Tevin Coleman too, to join him. Um, but yeah, moving on Panthers and Steelers. Uh, another Panthers, another team, like just like leaving the start. I think Sam Darnold was in there for like 40 snaps in this game. Why? Why? Um, DJ, and including the, all the wide receivers too, DJ Moore uh, ran 26 routes in this game, <laughs> six targets. Um, Robbie Anderson also ran 26 routes, had five targets. Ter- Mar- Terrace Marshall had four targets, but played significantly less snaps than the other two um, because they ran a lot of 12 personnel. Uh, when he came in in 11 personnel with three wide receivers in the field, he ran 18 routes and 13 of those 18 routes were, was from the slot. So it looks like my man Terrace Marshall is going to be their primary slot wide receiver, the big slot, right? This is the role oh, yeah. that Justin Jefferson was playing in this Joe Brady offense at LSU in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, between DJ Boy and Robbie Anderson, Robbie had more routes from the slot. Um, so like if you look at the target per route rate, Marshall had about the same rate as as, as Moore. So the more 11 personnel that they run, the better. For Terrace Marshall, obviously. Um, Terrace Marshall has to be drafted. Um, You can still get this dude like pretty late in drafts, despite him consistently making plays in preseason with the first team and Sam Darnold. I think it's funny because, like, he made a lot of plays in preseason, but like his ADP hasn't like moved as much as I thought it would. And I think it's because the fact that, you know, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson's still there. So people are like, well, what kind of role will Terrace Marshall really play? But I think that it's very possible that Terrace Marshall, you know, is like relatively close to these guys in terms of fantasy production. That, that world is still there. It's very possible.
2: Yeah. I mean, in Terrace Marshall is going later than all these other guys.
1: Um, And even, you know, it's just, it, it, it's not even later than these guys. Like he's, I've seen him go undrafted at, at, in some drafts still, like at this yeah. point, like why he shouldn't be going in the 16th round. Right? Like his ADP, I don't know what his ADP is, but like, I, all it knows for like what, what where I've been drafting is that he's been available super late. Yeah, he really
2: has. Um, him and okay, who would you rather have? Okay. Him or Elijah Moore? Elijah Moore. Not even okay. close. Him or Jacoby
1: Myers? Um, better one. Jacoby Myers. Okay.
2: Him or McCole Hardman?
1: Him. Okay. Well, okay. okay. Him, or Brian, him or Brian Edwards? Him. Brian Edwards. Darno Mooney? Mooney.
2: Okay.
1: I can't think of anyone else, but that was good. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was, that was good. good. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move on. That was great. Uh, all right, so the Jaguars, this is the last team I wanted to talk about. Um, two straight weeks of LaVisca. Uh, being a favorite of Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, Marvin Jones didn't play in this game. uh, But with the ETN injury, I can see LaVisca, you know, get a bump in targets here for the season. I think he can be a relatively safe PPR play every single week, like Mm -hmm. a high floor type of player who we know can make plays after the catch too, right? Um, And I think I might be ranking him as like a high floor wide receiver three, which to me like seemed a little bit crazy, like – couple months ago but now i think that it's like easily in the plans uh for for lavisca just seeing how they use them seeing his rapport with with lawrence um obviously dj shark you know he's gonna throw a wrench into things you know when he's back um but shark like i don't know man like he hasn't really got to create any chemistry with trevor lawrence maybe they did before he got hurt i don't know but it looks like marvin jones had great chemistry with lawrence it looked like LaVisca had great chemistry with Lawrence. Like, does Chark also have great chemistry with Lawrence? So does that mean mean Trevor Lawrence is actually good? Like, d- despite of the despite the fact that like the Jaguars look like a hot mess, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence looks like somebody who might still be good, uh, despite you know uh, a hot mess around him. Um, now, between the two guys, like I I think I like Marvin Jones more still because of the fact that like each of his targets are be Chark and Marvin Jones or between Marvin Jones and Trevor Lawrence, uh, Marvin Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Marvin Jones and, and, uh, LaVisca. Um, just because like, I think that each of Marvin Jones targets are just going to be more valuable, you know, the higher a dot more down the field, more end zone targets, um, you know, more, you know, he's just going to be playing on the outside. When you're playing on the outside, it's just more upside. Um, and if Marvin Jones actually does become the one a on this offense, you know, over shark and over LaVisca, I just think he has a lot of upside. Um, you know, on a per-target basis. How are you viewing Levisca, man? Do you think that he he deserves to be, uh, you know, ranked as a solid PPR wide receiver three? I think
2: he does. I don't know if he's going to be in any of my teams. Only because I feel like his value is about to be Way overblown. I think someone else is going to snag him before I even get the chance to consider him. I think he's going to end up being a sixth, seventh rounder if he isn't already. And I think the reason for that is people think he's going to assume Travis Etienne's entire role, which is getting (laughs) out of the backfield, being that slash player. He's, you know, this guy, he's talented, but he doesn't have the speed, right? He doesn't have the speed to play that kind of role. That's just not the kind of guy he who. That's just not the kind of guy he is. And if he was, guess what? Irv uh, Irv Meyer, Jesus Christ, we're scrambled tonight. Urban, there you go. Urban Meyer wouldn't have drafted Etienne for that. If he felt comfortable with Lavisca playing that role, he would have just named Lavisca that role, and the Jaguars could have actually taken a position they needed. So, like for me, yeah, I think Lavisca could week to week be a PPR value in, you know, produce. And I think we're kind of undervaluing. Like It's kind of like before I talked about the Colts. Like, okay, someone has to be relevant here, right? You look at the Jaguars, no tight ends. Yes. They have James Robinson. There's no clear wide receiver one. Someone has to be relevant here. So, yeah, Laviska, I like him in the seventh, 8 turn. I think that's the highest I would consider him. But I just think he's going to be taken way before I can consider him. Marvin Jones, I do like Marvin Jones. They made an underrated post by him not so long ago. I do like him better than DJ Chark, but I think when DJ Chark is back, there is going to be a mix of where those targets are distributed between Marvin Jones and DJ Chark. I don't think Chark is just going to be left for the dust. I think right. he's going to be the third wide receiver on this team when it comes to target share but I don't think he's going to be left in the dust either. Right. So I think when it comes to deep targets, Marvin Jones and DJ Chark are going to have their share, and then LaVisca is going to own that slot, and he's going to own those short to intermediate targets. And I think Marvin Jones might are on an intermediate as well. So yeah. um, that, that's why I think LaVisca is going to be consistent. I like him over Marvin still, but I'll take Marvin over DJ Chark, and you're going to get Marvin way after Chark is going to be available. Yeah,
1: it's crazy how early Chark is going despite him being, you know, not by not playing at all this entire yeah. preseason because of injury. Um, and if you don't draft Lavisca Chenault, like you're not going to be able to get the team name Asta, Asta LaVisca. Lavisca, baby. You're not going to be able to get that team name. So I've seen you might a as well just names lately, you might as well draft him, uh, just to get that name. All right, that'd do it, guys. Uh, we are going to um, come up with another podcast for this Friday. Uh, Today's Wednesday. This is when this podcast is dropping, um, and we'll we'll see you guys again on Friday. But thank you guys for listening. Um, that's a wrap for preseason. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll obviously be back next week with a couple of episodes. Um, you know, I've, we're gonna kind of get, probably get a mailbag in, and probably some other topics by then. A lot of things will will be going down. A lot, a lot of news will will be going down. So we'll be able to kind of break all that down for you. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll see you guys soon take it easy uh and by the way guys if you can rate the podcast like that would be amazing like if you can you know give us like a full five stars that would be even better you know just so that more people can find it if you can share the podcast with anybody that would be awesome too like we 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 try our best here and the more people know about it the better for us so we really appreciate you guys all right joe uh i'm faraz at Upperhand fantasy that's joe Fantasy.football.analyst on Instagram. Go check us out there. Uh, we'll see you guys soon. See ya. See you.